we are holding in the middle of the sugya of Emunah. So let's continue like this. The Rambam, Mordecai Rambam, very important Rambam to remember. The Rambam says, and this Rambam is the end of Perik HaChelek, and he brings down as follows. We know at the end of uh, Shachos, if you have a Siddha, and you go to the end of Shachos, you've got the Sheish Tzachiros, right? the six things that you're constantly meant to remember, and then you've got the 13 principles of faith, right? which the Rambam brings. The Rambam didn't write those, but he wrote basically all of them, and it's a Kitzah version of that. Okay? Now, the Rambam says like this. I want to read you an English version of the Rambam, but it's a very important Rambam to remember. Okay? The Rambam says like this. Says the Rambam, that if a person believes these 13 principles, right? And you go through them, it's about Marmit Hosina, it's about Moshe Rabbeinu, it's about Nuvi, it's about Tchir Samesim, all of the Ica things that we have and we live for as Yidin. Says the Rambam, if a person says them and actually believes in them, he's a Yid, he's a part of Kalal Yisrael, it's a mitzvah to love him, and pity him if he needs pity. We have to treat him in every way that the Rabbani Shem command. We have to love him as a brother. He may have done averas. He may have done terrible, terrible things. He'll be punished, but that's not our business. He has a chelik on him. However, even if you have a yid that went off the derech, whatever that going off the derech means, we're not going to describe at this moment of time which a derech. That's not the discussion right now. But whatever it is, he didn't. He's not. He's not busy with Torah and mitzvahs. He's doing averas. Whatever it is, at the end of the day, he's a yid. He's counted as a yid in every way. In everything. However, says the Rambam that if a person makes a mistake in just one of these principles, if a person makes a mistake in one of the 13, meaning he doesn't, eh, that one, uh, I don't know about, he doesn't really believe it, believe Sholem. So the Rambam, he's gone outside the boundaries of being a Yid, he's not a believer. He has basically a title of an apikairis. He cuts the very foundation of emunah. Okay? There's a mitzvah, says the Rambam, to hate him and to destroy him. Okay? Now again, you go through these 13 principles of faith, maybe at a different time, maybe we'll go through them one by one and understand them. But the idea, says the Rambam, is this is what a yid is all about. You know, the vision of Rebbe, the Heilige vision of Yisrael of vision, once wrote about the Nisoyan that many of us in this generation are confronted with. I think it's an important idea to remember because sometimes if we recognize the problem, it makes it easier to deal with. So the Rishon Rebbe wrote that there's a Nisoyan that will attack Klal Yisrael right before Mashiach comes. And that is, he brings down that it's known that the uh, 50 gates, the 50 gates of Kedusha correspond to the 50 dates, uh, gates of Tumah. And the 50th gate of Tumah is Kfira. Right? It's Kfira. Once a person gets to Kfira, then, then it's basically all over. In the last Golas of which we are holding, Ikfasa de Meshicha, right? The heels of Meshicha. When Meshicha is about to be, be here, says the vision of Rebbe, that 50th gate will open up. Okay? There's the gate of Kfira. And all the Malachim in Shamayim will cast down to this world Kfira. And it will spread to, right? Denying. And it will spread in all, all four corners of the world. Every footstep that a person takes will be denial of Hashem and throwing off the yoke of Torah. And it will require a tremendous amount of determination to strengthen himself in Emuna unless he falls into the trap. And there are people out there that think, okay, this is not a gate to me, that's the gate to the guys on the street. But No, this is the gate to everyone. 
This is Nogeya to everyone. Anyone, said the original Rebbe at the time, right before Mashiach comes, one of the biggest Nisoyinists we're going to have is Nisoyin is Emuna in the Rabbi Emuna Nashem. And Emuna doesn't mean I believe. Emuna means a deep understanding of your connection, of your loyalty with the Rabbi Nishalolam. That's what it is. I want to tell you a Moedigazach. Okay, listen carefully. As I said, these are things that are difficult. But these are things that are important. If you learn this, if we live with this, if we permeate this within our blood and our vessels and everything in our body, we become different people, we become different Yidin, different Avdei Hashem. Rebellion Lopian said of an amazing, amazing thing. Can you imagine? Okay, listen carefully. Can you, everyone's with me? Yeah? Can you imagine the emotional reunion between a father and a son that was separated during the Holocaust? Can you imagine? A father, right, you guys are separated just for a few months of being in yeshiva, and the guys find it hard. Can you imagine during the Holocaust of people that were separated with their father, and all of a sudden, after years, they get reunited. Maybe they didn't even know their father existed. Maybe they thought their father died in the Holocaust, and all of a sudden someone said, I found your father, whatever it was. There have been stories like this, right? Just picture in your mind. What would that reunion look like? How emotional that would be. That would be such an emotional reunion between a father and a son that had been separated. They didn't know the father, didn't know the son was still alive. The son didn't know the father was alive. The intense emotion that's going on, you can almost cut it with a knife. That's how intentional, you know, how much it is. So go better up, Jan. Now envision this scenario where this beloved son is running towards his father. And right before... He falls into his father's arms. He stops. And he mumbles to himself a question. And his question is, do you think this is really my father? Like again, all the proof is there. He sees him, he recognizes him. Like it's all there. But the Gemara, after all, in Chulin discusses such a shayla. Maybe he's not really my father. Okay, we go bust to Roiv. Roiv, he should be my father. So I can assume he is. Oh, Tati Shalom Aleichem. Everyone would look and say, are you crazy? Uh, are you crazy? That, you know, a relationship with a person's father is not based on logic. Al-Piroiv, he's my father, so he's probably my father because Al-Piroiv. doesn't work that way. A relationship is not based on logic, right? The love is much deeper than that. We don't need logic, we don't need calculation. The connection to our father in heaven, the connection to the Melech Malcham Lochem, to the Rabboni Shalom, Avinu Malkeinu, doesn't require rational proof. Right? He brings another example. Imagine a teacher begins a lesson and asks the girls in the class, tell me, girls, how do you know that your father and your mother are actually your parents? Maybe you're adopted. Right? Maybe there's a mistaken identity in the hospital. Actually, it wasn't you. Know, it wasn't you. They took the wrong baby home. Right? There have been stories like this. Maybe you're not actually their biological child. Then what the teacher does is assigns the, the students a project of finding proof that they are indeed their, cho- their, their parents' children. Okay? Maybe by finding hospital records, similarities between themselves and their parents, or maybe even genetic testing. Now, the psychological and emotional upheaval, could you imagine what this would cause? It, it would be devastating. Right? For some children, just raising the question would like, cause irreparable damage. The relationship that we have with our parents is not something that we have to question and figure out and investigate. It's there. I don't believe there's a single person that ever went home from school or yeshiva with a question, do you think this is really my parents? Maybe it's not. No, nobody thinks that way. Like, 
I don't know. Probably, yeah, because, like, what's the chance of them, like, taking me, the wrong baby, home from the hospital? Like, what are the ch- What are the chances? The chances are not so high. But nobody thinks that way. Because that's not what a relationship is. A relationship, is something that just exists. Emuna in the Rabbonish Lanim is not something we should be looking for proofs. If you thought you're going to come here and I'm going to give you proofs that God exists. Right? We're learning about Emuna. Oh, we're going to hear proofs that God exists in the world. No. You know why? Because a relationship that's a true relationship is not based on intellect. It's not based on scientific facts. It's based on the relationship. It's based on the mitzvahs. It's based on something that we realize is important. And that is what the relationship between us and the Rabboni Shalom is. Just give you one last thing before we finish for now. Mordecai Maisa, this one. There was a Spanish boy. We'll call him Pedro. Well, it makes sense, right? We'll call him Pedro. Now, he was a very, very talented Spanish, talented Spanish boy. And uh, he made a lot of money in Spain, like entertaining and stuff like that. And he decided, you know what? You know where all the money is? The money's in America. Right? Because they say that in America, the pavement is paved with diamonds. You know how it is? So I'm going to inter- I'm gonna go to the Big Apple. I'm going to go to New York. And I'm going to entertain. I'm going to make a lot of money. So he goes there. And he decides, someone on the way told him, I guess. Someone told him, you know what? Go to Niagara Falls. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever been there. But I myself have been to Niagara Falls. It was an incredible experience. Mom to see the Niflois Aboyo, how the Rebunshim created that. It was absolutely mind-boggling. Anyway, so he went and he decided, you know, he's going to make money. It's a great way. He's going to make a tightrope. And he's going to put it from one side. That's in America. The other side's in Canada, right? And he's going to go from one side to the other side. Now, you can imagine, he didn't just like, can't just put it in there. That's the whole setup. It's a whole situation to hire people. So as it was going on, people were wondering, what's happening over here? What's, what's, the, whole, what's the whole commotion? So they said, oh no, someone's going to walk past around, you know, across this with a tightrope. Really, the media started coming in. It started to become like a whole situation. And everyone started, you know, crowding around. And when the time, appointed time came, he starts it. And you can imagine everyone's silent. Everyone's silent. He's walking across Niagara Falls with a tightrope. No rope, no net, no nothing. And he slowly and surely makes it across. And everyone, the oil are cheering, the oil are excited. It's amazing. And then he manages to get back again. Everybody's cheering in the newspapers. Everybody's there. They're interviewing. It's amazing. He says, okay, Rabbi Sai, for my next trick, I'm going to be walking across with a wheelbarrow. Now, that's already more difficult, right? Right? My wheelbarrow, you've got to, you know, it's, it's a whole balance thing. So everyone's, wow, you can imagine the time, the video cameras, everybody's there. It's a whole bunch of... And there he is with the wheelbarrow, and he manages to go... Unbelievable. Crowds are cheering. It's, it's, they never say anything like this. Four times, this guy's, right? Once, and back himself, and then with the wheelbarrow. This guy's talented. This guy's amazing. We need to sign him in. Then he starts announcing, Rabbi Sai, for the next trick, I'm going to be taking somebody in the wheelbarrow when I go across. Anybody want to volunteer? And all of a sudden, everyone's quiet. Nobody wants to do anything. For one second, but you saw him yourself, without any problem whatsoever, go by himself and with the wheelbarrow. Now you're scared. And the truth is, we do this with our own lives. You know, when things are easy, when it applies to somebody else, eh, it's good to have a munna, it's good to be easy. Yeah, we believe. Oh, yeah, we believe. When it involves ourselves, or when life gets a little bit difficult, and when life throws us challenges, then all of a sudden maybe we don't believe in the way we should. What we're trying to do over here is work on an idea so that when things are easy, of course we have a munna, but even when things get tough, 
And it's something that I mentioned before, which I'm going to mention again. And that is, we'll end with this. And that is Rav Shmuel Obach Satsal was one of the Gedolim here in Eretz Yisrael, a son of Rav Shlomo Zalman. And he used to spend, I've said this before, but I'm just going to say it again for this, because I think it applies very much. He used to spend many t- much time at a chasana. Now, it wasn't the normal thing for a godl to spend time at a chasana. You go to the chasana, you dance a bit, right? You're there, your presence there is very harsh, and then you leave. But he would stay there for ages, and they said, Rebbe, why did you stay here for so long? He said, I'll tell you why. Because I can learn here the same way I can learn in my house. How do you do that? In your house, it's quiet. No one's disturbing you. Hey, you've got the band, you've got people dancing, people coming, like, well, how do you do that? So he said a very important thing. And he said, I trained myself. What did I do? I started in my house. It was quiet. That was easy, right? Then I went to the street. And it was a little bit harder because there's cars every so often and birds chirping in the background. And I learned to be able to concentrate and learn, right? Then I went to a place that was a little bit louder. And I did even that. And I eventually worked myself up so that now when I'm in a loud place, it doesn't bother me anymore. And I took that as an incredible idea. Because in life, sometimes when things get tough, we wonder like, oh no, how do we do this? How do we do that? And sometimes we'll look at someone who has tremendous emunah and you wonder, like, they've gone through such a bad time. How do they still believe? How do they still have trust in Hashem? And the answer is because they worked on it when it was much easier. When we learn to work on these things when life is easy, when life doesn't give us the tremendous challenges, but we know the challenges are going to come, when they do eventually come, everything will be easy because we'll have worked on it already. You can't have a guy that never worked on emunah and all of a sudden a tough thing comes up and, yeah, emunah and Hashem. It doesn't work that way doesn't work that way it's something you have to work on it's a lifelong project we're not going to do eight sessions and you guys are going to be emunad for life halavai would work that way it's something that constantly has to be worked on but rabbi said we're starting the process and i again i implore every single one of you after the shir think about what we said think about the ideas think about them so that when you come to tomorrow we can already get to the next step that we can continue okay